Welcome to On Air, a podcast by Fempelab. We host bi-weekly discussions with inspiring founders and professionals from all around the world to talk about their journey, aspirations, and the power of connection. My name is Clara, and I'm the co-founder of Fempelab, a career development platform for women. Our today's guest is Pavlina Louzinská. Pavlina is a marketing, product, and business consultant with focus on tech startups and fashion brands. She is a lead mentor in Google for Startups for Europe and Africa, as well as in various other accelerators. Pavlina is passionate about giving voice to underrepresented groups. Therefore, she founded Holkis Marketingu, a female empowerment community which currently unites 24,000 women. Or she hosts Startup Disrupt with female leaders. She also helps Transparency International as a board member. With Pavlina, we talked about the future of work. What, in her opinion, will be the most dramatic long-term changes that await us in the business environment? How can we assess the positive and negative impacts of remote work? What are the skills we are going to need as the technology and automation keeps evolving? And how will the education system have to adjust? Learn all the answers and much more in our episode. Hi, Pavlina. It's such a pleasure to meet you, at least virtually this way. Hi, it's really nice to be here and thanks for the invite. Pavlina, I'd like to kick off our interview by asking you an introductory question. And that is, when you were a kid, what did you want to do when you grow up? Oh, I had a like really elaborate plan. I think I was like four years old when I told my mom that first I'm going to be a model. I'm going to win the, you know, uh, world contest. Uh, saying hey thank you I want world peace then I'm going to be a doctor and once I'm old I'm going to be a president so I had it really clear and you know so I think it kind of stayed with me apart from the fact that I want to be a model not anymore <laughs> and you still plan to be a doctor and the president <laughs> sure somehow like I think what I do is helping people and obviously I'm not operating on them but somehow I'm operating on their business models so so that and maybe the president one day it will happen I would wish for Czech politics to have more women obviously so maybe I will go for it one day yeah that would be amazing um (laughs) well today you are a designer of change uh, as you also put it You have created Holkis Marketingu, a community with more than 20,000 women. You are a startup mentor, public speaker, and innovator. Um, But your personal story and business story was already told uh, many times at multiple conferences, events, and even interviews and podcasts. So what I would like to talk to you today is your thoughts on something else, and that is the future of work. Can we dive into that? I'm super excited. <laughs> Perfect. So, Pavlina, you have worked closely with more than 100 businesses in and outside Europe, and you collaborate closely with them, especially at those times of the global pandemic. What, in your opinion, will be the most dramatic long-term change that awaits us in the business environment? I think one of the most prominent ones is obviously switch to online because currently uh, global retail only 
uh, 15% of it is online. So only 15% of global retail is e-commerce. And which I think is really low actually, considering how much we need to stay at home, how much we need to socially distance, how much we need to really go for it. And so often the businesses were not prepared for it. They were really in a deep shock. And I think what's happening just right now is not something that will last for only a few weeks, but it's going to last for maybe a few years, according to some studies. So I think we really need to switch our thinking. And it's not only about setting up your Shopify and that's kind of it, but it's about changing your uh, product strategy. Maybe um, the consumers need different products. They don't need tailored suits if they're at home office. You know, you need to change their pricing. They obviously are going to be more focused on how to save their money since uh, people are going to be really insecure about their jobs and with all the economy coming uh, down and so on. And then you need to also change the logistics. People are really more focused. They are more asking about, for example, the hygiene in your warehouse. So I think the companies may really need to go online, but in all the senses of the world, and they need to completely rethink and restructure their strategy. And what's kind of obvious is that companies that used to be online before the pandemic are thriving really well. So for example, I, I work a lot with fashion companies and if you compare Zalando and Dior, those are obviously like two really huge brands, but who is really winning this is actually Zalando because they were naturally online. They knew how to utilize their e-commerce. They knew how to utilize online marketing, but Dior so obsessed with having this like big boutique on in Perry and suddenly they are really down with their stock price and they have really hard times going up and they are just right now finding out what is this weird Google thing and how do we deal with it. Mm, absolutely. You were already mentioning the fashion industry that is very close to you. Do you have any concrete example of the impact of COVID-19 on, on some business? I think what we see a lot is like actually businesses closing down and closing down the physical retail. It's H&M, for example, is closing a lot of their boutiques all over the world. A lot of uh, companies are going away from shopping malls. But at the same time, they're strongly going into online. Where I'm really curious about the next development is actually the sustainability efforts. Because before the pandemic, everybody was really going in that direction. It was, there were a lot of initiatives, you know, like you would have Adidas, you would have HMN, you would have Everlane, all those companies, and they would have really great initiatives. But at the same time, since we are going into economic depression, the companies are really struggling with selling their stock. Uh, they're really str struggling with kind of addressing their customers, selling them what they need. It's going to be really challenging for them to actually keep that, uh, strong keep the focus on sustainability who is not going to actually struggle at all is luxury they never struggle during crisis it was for example Hermes last uh, last crisis in 2008 that was thriving really well so i'm not worried about them i'm worried everybody else and yeah really curious about the sustainability if they can really keep it going because i think that's going to be really challenging mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts, for example, on the travel industry and how that can redefine itself? 
I think people will want to travel. That's that's obviously, I mean, like uh, you and me, we are both just right now stuck at home. And all I dream about is the next time I'm going to travel. And obviously, once I have time and opportunity to travel, I will definitely go and maybe I will want to explore as much as possible. So maybe I will not spend money every weekend, but I will spend money every three months that I'm allowed to travel and it's going to be more expensive. So I'm going to spend more time um, planning it, more more money on it and so on. So I think definitely travel industry is here to stay. We are just going to redefine how maybe we will be more uh, careful about the way we travel, about how uh, protective we are, how long we spend at the airport, you know, and so on. So I definitely think there's it's a human need to kind of explore uh, mm-hmm. for me, definitely. So I'm very optimistic when it comes to this. Yeah. So the travel industry basically just needs to hibernate and survive uh, this to to get back in maybe even stronger every time they see like the crisis is actually the opportunity for for new growth and innovation and maybe like what what i see is so often we this is a time where we can rewrite the rules where we can kind of introduce new ways and you saw it with airbnb how they for example offered those virtual tours and you could hire a guide or ferry and you could watch it at home and you could really follow him all over paris without leaving your home so i think this is a great place for innovation and i think those who are going to go bankrupt are actually going to be like stuck in their old ways and it's really important to be open-minded and i understand it's really stressful now mm. you said that one of the keys to survive and to like redefine the business for the future is going online how about the people working online and maybe even the businesses how can we assess the positive and negative impacts of remote work in the in the long term Well, I think it's really interesting, actually. Like on one side, you suddenly have those global opportunities because when I was considering to work in London or New York, I would be always like, I don't want to leave my family. You know, uh, it would be too much of a hassle maybe and so on. But at the same time, now I have the opportunity to travel, uh, to work abroad and at the same time live at home. And, you know, suddenly, for example, Google or Avast or Facebook, they're staying out of the offices until the next summer. So obviously, if you start working for Facebook, suddenly you can start working from Prague, even though they don't have officially office in Prague. So I think that's that's really exciting for us as an opportunity. On the other side, um, that's going to happen for a lot of people among the world. So you used to compete for one job opening with people who used to live in Prague who were able to commute to Prague but suddenly you are competing with people all over the world for one position and I think that's going to really reshuffle how you structure your CV how you look at your career how you look at your opportunity but also um, how and where you live because you don't need to maybe live in the city center of Prague but you can live maybe in Shumava in a small cottage and that's going to be also really nice but what I see as the biggest kind of struggle everywhere around is the um, is the kind of mental health and the social uh, capital and the network and so on and I see really there is this term called zoom fatigue and how people are really depressed and they're they're depleted of their energy resources 
and they're missing people. And I know people who have been working in a new company for six months and they still haven't seen their team. And I think that's really making a huge impact on how we see that. And I think the role of HR and maybe internal psychologists is growing really rapidly because you need to take care of your employees if you want them to perform. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on the hybrid models of leadership, meaning part of the team stays home, part of the team is in the company and how to engage everyone equally? Do you have any recipe on that or any thoughts on that? I think we are all trying to figure that out and we will see long term what works or what works not. Uh, but at the same time, I would be always a fan. It's it's like, let's go back to retail and I think it's the same metaphor for it. You can't be only online. You need to engage with your customer. It's like, even though if you're a pure e-commerce player, you need to throw a pop-up. You need to have a speaker at a conference. You somehow need a physical touch point with the person. And I think if you do only distant work, you somehow need to uh, be able to engage with the person also face-to-face, not only via a Zoom call. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan what, of whatever allows people to have a social contact because maybe we will get out of here at the end of the day and it will be like we will be like cavemen you know with <laughs> unshaved legs and you know our sweatpants and everything and whatever saves us from that fate is a good one totally um besides those effects of the global pandemic the technology and automation uh, keeps evolving What do you think is what can only humans do and how will this change uh, maybe even improve or otherwise in the future work economy? Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting question and I, I totally love it. Often the answer to it, if you read um, scholarly articles or anything, is the creativity and innovation. It's, it's, it's very human. But what I think is very human is actually humanity and empathy and and that type of things. And I don't think they should be replaced, could be replaced and so on. And what we need to focus on actually is keep being human. And I think that's our biggest challenge. And that's if you're a marketer, for example, what you're always looking for is this um optimizing for the biggest revenue, return on investment, and so on. And so often we are forgetting that the people out there are actually human, with their human needs and human emotions and so on. And actually people are so worried that AI or robots or whatever will try to steal their jobs. Yes and no. Because I think what we found out with, for example, electricity, It didn't steal our jobs. It just opened new opportunities for us to do first and second. I don't think it's normal to work 16 hours a day. And whatever helps us not to work 16 hours a day, I think is an improvement. So if there's AI that is actually able to put some stupid numbers in an Excel spreadsheet instead of you, why don't you go and spend time with your kids? And that's what the economists, when they were discussing that in the 20s, 30s, when they were thinking about how we are going to live in 2020 they were always saying that we are not going to work 
and you know what is happening is quite the contrary most of my friends are living their lives at work there is nothing like work-life balance there is work balance maybe but not life so i hope you know robots will allow us to to change that and come back to focusing on what we are and what we are as a community yeah if that happens if the technology takes over more and more of the routine and maybe even some non-routine activities in our organizations and and work life what skills do you think are essential at this moment what skills besides empathy and humanity as you mentioned maybe some hard skills are we going to need for me it will always be the skill of learning new things because I, I guess it's the same for you, but most of my jobs I do, they didn't exist 10 years ago. Like I couldn't work with Instagram. I couldn't work with computers the way I work. You know, there was not a job of online marketing manager. There was not a job of, like most of that didn't exist. And I think what we need to actually face is the fact that it's going to change and it's going to evolve and that the most crucial skill is actually to keep learning and not being stuck on one thing you know i think it's not possible to study something and then uh do it for the next 40 years uh, of your life without uh, actually changing a thing so for me it's really about about learning and i know a lot of people would tell you programming or something but not. I think programming is good because it teaches you some kind of a framework or some kind of an approach towards things. But it's again learning. It's again looking at things with new eyes. So for me, that is going to be the most crucial skill. Mm-hmm. So keep learning, keep uh, adapting to change. Um, if people lost job during this during those times and are searching for for something new. What would be your tip number one to get a job, even under those hard circumstances? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you actually asked uh, because I, it was yesterday. Yesterday, I think we, we launched an initiative with Holkis Marketing and we are repeating something that happened in spring during we saw that a lot of marketers actually lost their jobs, especially who worked in events, production, you know, like very physical space. So they lost their jobs and we had more than 1300 people who signed up for for our form and we were trying to match them with prospective employees we were trying to give them trainings and workshops and we actually launched this initiative again after we saw the lockdown of the Czech Republic so the aim is really to help people so uh, step number one I would encourage you to sign up but also I would uh, there are so many other initiatives that there is this best practice which helps you rework your CV based on the feedback of the HR people. There is also, for example, there are different uh, workshops with Google. For example, I'm a trainer for a new generation of founders where we teach people design thinking and we allow them to see a framework that allows them to uh, change the ways they think. Also, uh, maybe I would consider starting a business. Because so often I talk to the girls and they're like, oh, I can't find a job, but, you know, uh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, why don't you start a business? And because that would allow you to have a job almost immediately. And that would be a really nice thing. And it would be a really nice change, actually. And that's what we need. And actually, um, 
women are more successful when it comes to starting businesses. They are more successful with bringing return on investment. So definitely that's my encouragement, like not only to look for the job, but try to create one for yourself. Exactly. That's amazing that you say that. Um, yeah, as you said before, in the times of, of hardship, uh, there is the innovation and maybe thinking out of the box, like, you know, starting finally your, your business um where we need where we need to look uh to and and change and adapt so that's a really nice encouragement um how about education how do you think that will change and therefore serve the needs to to keep learning and to learn uh to learn the skills that uh, that we discussed the ability to change and flexibility It's one of my favorite topics ever. I, I used to be a teacher for some time. And what you realize really soon is that the system doesn't reflect the needs of the market. It doesn't reflect the needs of uh, current job uh, offerings and so on. And we are the most educated generation of history. More than 60% of Americans have a bachelor degree. But yet we are failing at life. We are failing at the job market because somehow we get out of the university. Let's say you study marketing, but maybe you didn't even discuss the existence of Twitter. You probably didn't discuss the fact TikTok exists and you, and it's no wonder because like it's moving so fast that it's really difficult to put it back into the curriculum for the universities and I'm blaming them. So I think we need to find a way how do we prepare more and how do we change education structures? How do we, for example, implement more practical work? How do we implement more internships? I think internships are still uh, quite low in the Czech Republic. So how do we do that? How do we... Um, allow generations to change because currently more than 60% of manager jobs in uh, US are held by people who should have been retired by now you know so it's obviously what we need is to get more um, young blood into that and change the ways how we operate for example so many of those job descriptions haven't changed in last 20 years and I think they require a different stuff And what people nowadays who are entering the job market require is different what their parents needed. And sorry, I don't need Stravenke, you know, the food vouchers. I, I really want to, for example, decide on what operating system I work every day. I want to work on a MacBook and I don't want to work on your, you know, stupid windows. Sorry about that. But but it's it's different requirements. And I think we need to reflect that in our but also we need to reflect that in our job market unless we are going to have a deep divide between what we learn and what we need if it mm. makes sense <laughs> I hope. yeah totally it would be more teaching the students how to how to learn continuously rather than teaching them a particular skill that's getting them ready for a job description that will be old in, in a year or two. You have Generation Z and they're digitally native. That means that they are able to look up their information. And why should I memorize the, you know, all the kings of Czech Republic in the 10th century if I could look it up on Google very easily? 
why why don't we teach people how to for example create a case study how do, why don't we teach people how to actually work with information how to search for instant information instead of memorizing it why you know i i'm so often i meet people i meet very young people because uh, i often work with interns and they come out of schools and they know how to recite everything uh, from memory but they don't know how to stand in front of a crowd and actually you know like be self-confident about their opinions and how to formulate their opinions and how to get them along and they don't consider running their own business because they were told sit tight and wait for somebody to tell you what to do. So we need to change those things. And I'm a big fan of, for example, those schools like Lambda School or I don't know, even like um, um, School of Design or, or anything like that allows you to work on actual projects that allows your personality to shine through and not only put you in the brackets like, you know, this is who you are. This is, we need to help people explore their talents and not just memorize things. Mm. I'm very strict on that. Sorry. No, it's good to have, you know, straightforward uh, answers and opinions. Um, most of the schools have turned online too nowadays. Uh, do you think that's something that might stay with us or, or we'll go back to, to the classrooms? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, Sure. Uh, I don't know. It's it's difficult to say, but I I just want to say here that I really appreciate the efforts of everybody helping the schools to go online. And it's, for example, Uchima Online is a project of Chesco Digital, or there are so many talented teachers who are trying to really make it work. And it's the same. I will come back to the retail. It's not about setting up the Shopify and that's it, kind of. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's about putting um, kids on Google Classroom and keep teaching the way we were teaching until now. It's about reworking the whole structure. And I think that's going to be really challenging. And I really appreciate people who are doing it now and who are really trying to change their ways around it. And all the people from outside who are donating uh, their time to ha help with those efforts or who are donating even, for example, their old computers for kids to, to help them. Because I don't think we realize, but what is actually highlighted just right now is the fact that a lot of kids are from such a poor uh, neighborhood that they don't have computers at home. Maybe they have one computer, but for a family with three kids, that's not enough. You see so many kids who are trying to keep up with school on their really old Android smartphones and, and they're going to really not perform well. And, and we need to think about the inclusion more and more and we need to be really mindful of that. You mentioned mental health that can apply to, to kids being at home, that can apply to everyone who's working, stay at home, that can come to even the managers and leaders and businesses being done from, from a couch or from their homes. Um, how do you think we can combat that? How, how do you think we can keep um, ourselves sane and healthy? Mm -hmm. It's actually interesting you say that the other day I had a discussion, we had a roundtable with senior marketing managers, both men and women, and we were 
and I was asking them, so how do you revise your budgets uh, post-COVID? Like, how do you adjust your uh, strategy for Q4? And they, what, what they were basically saying was like, I don't care about budgets. My, my people are really depressed. I care about them, you know, like budgets will always come and go, you know, that that's fine. We will always sell more toilet paper. But what's, what is stressful is the fact that I see my people just falling apart. And according to a research that Kaiser Family Foundation did in the US, more than 50% of Americans feel that their mental health is in a really bad state after they were supposed to stay at home. And I think what we see, it's, it's not only the fact that you are worried about your job, but we see how much impact it had on our personal lives. So it's Esther Perel. She's my favorite uh, relationship therapist. She has a really good podcast. Say, uh, it's called Where Should We Begin? I would highly recommend it for everybody. And she says that the crisis always accelerates. So a lot of people who were considering getting married, they are now getting married. A lot of people who were considering breakups are now getting broken up. And it's it's something that's happening. And both those things, even though like the marriage is supposed to be a really happy time, it's obviously stressful. You're stressing out if the wedding is going to happen. You're stressing out. You know, it's it's like a very stressful thing. So apart from what's happening in your work life, apart from what's happening in politics, actually, it's also what's happening in your personal life that is really stressful. And it's no wonder that we are all really exhausted just right now, because I think your body is only okay with stress for a certain time, and we have run out of that. So I think the companies really need to focus on that, that the mental health should not be a taboo, even within work, and that we should, the HR managers or even managers should not look at their employees as people who are delivering some kind of value, but as humans. And we are back to the empathy and we will need that more and more. And we will need to create structures that help you support. And I really appreciate, for example, a lot of companies were, for example, uh, buying Headspace uh, premium subscriptions for their employees or you know they have instead of monthly check-ins with their employees they are doing weekly check-ins and asking about their health so it's it's really kind of reworking and being mindful about what's happening and not seeing people as the number of your pay on your payroll absolutely is there anything that in your perspective or from your experience, maybe we ourselves as, as employees, as individuals can do for ourselves? For me, it's about coming back to the community because I think you can help yourself if you can help others. And it's about like kind of creating your structures because obviously if you're going to sit at home and cry, uh, it's going to be really depressing. But if you maybe try to help a neighbor or if you check in with a friend and so on, I think that makes you stronger because you feel like you are not alone. And that's, that's, that's what's great. And there are a lot of things that you can do, but definitely like keep community running. And I see a lot of people like suddenly calling like old friends and saying, hi, do you want to talk for a minute? And it's actually nice. So I, I try to be as mindful as possible, like reaching out to people. 
uh, nowadays and building those communities mindfully. And I think this is what you find out is actually the, the core strength that can help you keep going in this, mm. if you feel like you're not alone. I love that. Um, what I personally realized recently is that uh, I have everything planned out. I have planned out calls. I have planned out work. I have planned out when I'm going to work out, uh, when I'm going to see who. And I realized it's kind of stressful um, that there is no time of, for spontaneity, <laughs> for spontaneous <laughs> decisions. Do you think this could also help our our mental health to just be able to have some freedom in like, I'll try this friend if they have time to hang out or have a call with me instead of planning it, you know, two weeks ahead because otherwise you won't be able to <laughs> to meet. Do you think we might be over planners? It's great you're saying that because I was the other day debating this with my therapist because at the when this started in March or February I was I was like that I was like so strict on myself and I had this schedule that I wake up every day at eight and then I work out and then I you know have lunch like this very very strict one and I think it's good if you think of your life as something that is going to last for two weeks two months but if you realize that you have to run like this for maybe next few years then I think you would completely rework it. And that's what I'm thinking. WGSN, they're uh, one of the biggest transporting agencies in the world. They just released a report on how people are responding to pandemic. And they actually created like three types of people. But what actually, what they had in common is the fact that you need to prepare for a marathon. And what we sometimes tend to do is is training for a sprint. And obviously, like you can keep the schedule of 8 a.m., wake up, do, 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 but you can keep it for a short time. And I don't think it's not feasible. It's not sustainable. And I think what we are after and why I'm so in love with the word sustainable, because it has so many other meanings that just having clothes from local designers. It means creating a lifestyle that is sustainable in a way that you can sustain it in your mind and in your social relationships and that's what we are going to need and it's about creating a lifestyle that is sustainable when it comes to financial uh, spendings and creating companies that are able to sustain what is happening just right now so so i'm more trying to create a thing that would be sustainable for long term not short term so but let me know we can compare like <laughs> call each other after three months and say which kind of approach works better let's talk about women for a moment um from a mckinsey research the jobs of women are 1.8 times more vulnerable to to lose than the ones of men and the market supposedly of the global jobs consists of 39% of women, but there are 54% of the global number of lost jobs. What do you think is the one thing that companies could do to improve um, the working conditions or this, those statistics for women in even a short term? 
one thing we need to realize and realize it very quickly that kids are not responsibility of mothers that it's both parents they they do have two parents mostly and it's not about the like it's not natural for mom to be the only one who's taking care of the kids and who's doing that and that and that and already like women are doing four to ten ta- uh, ten uh, hours more of work every week than men because they're doing the household jobs they're taking care of the family members and so on and what we need to kind of adjust is not only creating better working conditions for moms for that but also for for dads and and that's what i'm really missing in that approach and we shouldn't call it maternity leave we should call it also paternity leave and it allows people to kind of approach it in a different way and um, i studied linguistics that was my major at the university and so i pay a lot of attention to words and how we call things and if you call it maternity leave you are not allowing men to enter that part of their life but based on the research uh, in Sweden and so on, it actually allows men to develop more meaningful relationships with their kids. You know, the divorces are not so bad. The shared custody is not so bad. So it's kind of like, it's, I think once we improve conditions for everybody, it allows women to thrive as well. And once we stop assigning the roles that the women, we should, you know, allow them to do a home office so they could stay at home with their kids. It allows us to make better conditions for everybody because once we cooperate, it's, it's better. So yeah, definitely we need to be mindful about women, but also be mindful about the fact if we are not assigning women with more jobs and with more, uh, energy about it and so on thank you so much for saying that um pavlina where can we learn more about your opinions and your takes on the future of work and anything else <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for that i i do write a blog uh, it's pavlinaspeaks.com it's mostly in czech i do have a newsletter that I send whenever I have time, which is not very often. So don't worry about <laughs> me spending your inbox. <laughs> and I do, I do work for a few magazines, um, like Mary Claire or Heroin, and so on. So, so definitely, and I'm always up for coffee. So call me whenever, and I would be super happy to uh, keep that small community of uh, growing and to develop more social relationships outside Zoom. Uh, definitely that would be a nice one so sounds lovely <laughs> thanks a lot about that Pavlina what is what is next for you we talked a lot about the future of work what is the future of Pavlina that's the worst question like or, <laughs> okay. or the most difficult you know I was thinking about it what I'm going to say it's like I have so many uh, dreams and uh, and I think it's like when I was t- telling you at the beginning when I was a kid that I wanted to be actually free jobs. Uh, so I think that kind of stayed with me for, for a long time. So, so one of my big dreams is to actually help uh, to transfer knowledge and to transfer money. And so on we know uh, is in tech startups. I work a lot with tech startups. I, I'm a lead mentor for Google for startups. So I actually do work with a lot of people who have mobile apps or I don't know, AI or something like this. And I would really love to 
take that know-how and take it into physical products. So help people who are fashion designers or furniture designers or or kind of those people and create structures that allow, for example, investors to actually invest into physical products, which have a longer return on investment and so on. So that's my one big dream. I'm going to study um, investment banking <laughs> starting like uh, this year. So I'm super curious about that. And also, you know, I, I think I would... Uh, one of the things that I would love is to work more with trends. I actually teach a lot of trends and so on. And I think it allows us to, when you, what we currently have is this like glass uh, bowl and we are able to see the future. And I don't understand why we don't work with that. If you know what's going to happen, like you already, we already know what generation Z the youngest generation thinks what do they need what do they want so why don't we work with that so i'm getting really frustrated about it so i would love to work with that more and of course you know i'm always excited to become part of companies that want to drive change so you know we will see what happens amazing and the last thing it would be run for president one day <laughs> of course <that's, laughs> comes without saying somehow yeah you mentioned community and helping each other out. Um, I would like to ask you one last closing question uh, that can help make someone's day a little better. Are there any women from your surrounding that you admire and would like to give them a public shout out? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to say that I built a community of 24,000 women but it's not me it's it's a lot of people around it and whatever I do there's a lot of people around it so definitely the whole team of Volkis Marketing Anna Lucia, Petra and others they're working relentlessly around the clock to actually allow that to happen and for me I do have a privilege to be a public person around it but they actually do the whole work so so I'm forever grateful because without them I would be nothing and and that's really important to realize every time so i'm super grateful for that and and one more like kind of note it was clayton christensen he was a, a professor at harvard university and he had a talk one day um how will you measure your life and his answer was on the impact of others. And so often it's the impact of uh, butterfly wings that makes the biggest impact of others. And, and I would like to give a shout out to the woman I met uh, in the morning and she told me that I have a beautiful coat and that my, made my life immediately better. So, so it's, it's a shout out for all those like kind of random acts of kindness and empathy and humanity uh, that we currently give each other. And that is so desperately needed, I think. I have goosebumps. Thank you for that. <laughs> Show kindness, say a nice word to someone, enjoy your day. Thank you so much, Pablina, for sharing your wisdom and your thoughts. Hope to see you soon. Thanks a lot for inviting me and thanks a lot for all the work you do with Fempalette. I think it's really inspiring. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fanpala.com. 
To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fanpal at Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us in two weeks for the next episode of On Air, a podcast by Fanpalat.